Welcome to Licked and Loaded, everyone. I'm Laura Desiree, and today I'm joined by uh, an absolute hero of mine. I am so excited. I'm fangirling out hardcore, so get ready for this one. He's a legend in the independent film world, and more specifically, in queer cinema. So this is the great Bruce LaBruce, everyone, talking about presenting sexuality on the big screen. Oh my goodness. Well, Bruce, thank you for making time. My show is called Licked and Loaded. I thought you'd be perfectly suited for this. Nice. So you are one of my absolute favorite industry icons. I have to let you know that right out of the gate. Um, not just in the stories that you tell, as strange and beautiful and provocative as they are, but it's the way that you tell them. You have this unflinching, entirely erotic style of your own. I, I think people have deemed you the father of queer core. Is that right? That's what some people say, I suppose. Yeah. I don't want to be the father of anything. <laughs> Well, I wanted to take today can to kind of the, get in your head. Uh, can I be the, the uncle, maybe? Sure. I don't even like uncle. How about aunt? What about the daddy? Daddy's a little better, yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to, uh, to jump inside your head today. I see there's so many interviews of you talking specifically about a certain film project, but it's like an overview that I need of how the hell you've compose this legacy of such sophisticated smut. So Bruce, what would be your first experience with pornography and how did that impact you? Yeah, uh, I think, you know, my whole philosophy of pornography, if you will, um, has to do with, um, you know, starting out making um, sexually explicit art films that I didn't even consider to be pornography at the time, like in the in the late 80s and early 90s. So it was a sensibility that was more maybe more in tune with, you know, 70s porn, which was high, highly narrative and uh, aesthetic, and it was made by filmmakers. So, you know, in the 70s, as you know, gay pornography was made on 16 millimeter, mm. straight pornography was made on 35 millimeter, and it was all done by industry professionals who just wanted to make pornography and did it basically just uh, because they had this urge to do it. Uh, they, on their spare time and on weekends, they would borrow the equipment from their day jobs and, um, and make these films. I mean, one of my mentors was this uh, fellow named Bob Alvarez, who was part of a porn company in the 70s called Hand in Hand Films. And his, his partner was uh, Jacques, uh, Jacques Duveau, and they produced uh, the films of Peter DeRome and Wakefield Poole and these uh, pornographers who were considered, you know, art pornographers, but with, with the, uh, but the products were definitively pornographic, I mean, and, and sold as porn. Yeah. So, but they were very artistic and, and aesthetic and had great uh, plots and, and characters. So, he uh, he worked, for example, was worked as an editor as his day, day job, and he was an editor of Woodstock, the documentary, 
and wow. uh, yeah, so he had like mainstream gigs. And then there's lots of dicks in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> lots of bush yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, and it's probably because of him. And so you know, I like this idea of that it was made by people who had, you know, you had to know what you're doing uh, to make a 16 millimeter film um, with lighting and and uh, the technology and everything, uh, the camera, uh, as opposed to a, a lot of porn now, which, you know, I love the democratization of porn, but it's pretty accessible. Anyone can do yeah. it. And yeah. uh, at that time, it was made by, by filmmakers. And so, um, you know, that was one of my main influences. And also the great avant-garde, like, you know, Cocteau and, um, and, Jean Genet's great film, uh, Chant d'Amour, and, and all this classic, you know, verging on porn kind of uh, yeah. at work, and Kenneth Anger, and, and you know, so many others. Uh, 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 Pink Narcissus, uh, you know, Kurt, and Kurt McDowell. And so um, uh, that was kind of more what I had in mind. I also loved the great softcore films of the 70s. You know, like uh, Bilitus and and uh, Emmanuel and all those stuff. Oh, that's that really soft, focus-looking stuff. Like, is it Vaseline on the lens? What what yeah. got or, that or even a stocking? You can put a stocking, uh, oh, a woman's wow. stocking over the lens. Yeah, oh. and um, uh, which I reference very heavily in my film The Sandris. I have these scenes that are very in that style, very much in that style. So, um, so it was important for me to have like character and plot and, and be aesthetic as well. And um, because narrative really, it's sad that narrative has become sort of so vestigial because it's really, it's foreplay, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. the, uh, it's, it, it, what's, it, it, it builds up your, your, your yeah. sexual appetite and curiosity, you know, your fantasy, uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to just cutting right to the chase and, you know, wham, bam. So, there was uh, there was a comment I saw under one of your uh, films on Pornhub, funny enough, and someone was saying, "I'm so grateful for the narrative in this one because you don't yeah. see that anymore." So, yeah. and I, of course, I watched it and thoroughly enjoyed it myself. <laughs> I require a narrative in my fantasies, so I yeah. that's I, I the, the one of the big thrusts. The setup I did for I made this film for Erica Les called Valentine Pierre and Catalina Catalina. And, um, you know, I, I set it up as a kind of Nouvelle Vague, you know, uh, French New Wave from, from the 60s, kind of referencing Jules and Jim, mm. Jules and Jim. And so, and, you know, the scenario, and I was also making, uh, you know, a queer, queer porn or bisexual, I'm, I've gotten into bisexual porn as well. And, um, um, you know, the scenario was that this, girl these two guys were both in love with the same girl and they she has a little game a competition to see um which one will be her boyfriend and she wants them to fuck each other up the ass and then um who and then whoever comes first wins and becomes her boyfriend and so um these two guys are so in love with her that they you know happily fuck each other up the ass but and then it turns out it was she was just um uh, playing with them, and she she wants it to be them both to be her boyfriend. She wants to be in a polyamory. Yeah. So I mean, so it sets it up. You know, the the hesitation of these two guys 
so I have these, you know, great looking guys who who do porn, but are also like in Berlin, you know, people do a lot of performance and and um, uh, you know avant garde films and stuff. And so they they really got into the characters and they were like hesitating, like as if they'd never had sex with another guy before, and and you know all that titillation and the hesitation and the ambivalence. Is, yeah, it, it really makes it sexy, you know. It does. So, it's the human. It's the human factor there, though. You yeah. know, that's the internal part of it that we so often avoid in filmmaking and, and we miss in mainstream movies is to really focus on that internal hesitation. All of that is what makes it palpable for the audience. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, can, you can relate to it. And and it's like I said, it's foreplay. Foreplay is is kind of no one has time for foreplay anymore, I suppose, in the in accelerated culture, you know. Yeah. I've had to teach a few boyfriends and a, and a, and a, and a husband about foreplay, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you teach a course on it someday because I don't want to see that become a totally lost art. I get so many movie ideas from your Instagram now, I have to say. It's like a guide to <laughs> a guide to great viewing and asking yourself a lot of questions, exploring curiosities. So, uh, when you started producing these kinds of films and bringing this subject matter to the screen, what was the response of whether it was your York University colleagues, students, or the queer community? Like, what were you hearing from people when you first started sharing these? Well, I really started after um, my, I sort of began playing with pornography when I was getting my graduate degree at York. So, um, and by that time I was kind of like part-time and so I, I wasn't spending a lot of time up on campus or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, it was, it, it was more about like the kind of porno, you know, sexually explicit art films we were making was very naive. Uh, my idea of what porn was was very naive. I hadn't. What do you mean? You know, what do you, what do you well, mean? Well, it was pre-internet. So, I mean, it wasn't, porn wasn't so ubiquitous and so readily available as it is now. So, um, so I, I, you know, I, I had my my VHS and uh, but uh, uh, of of gay porn and stuff, but it wasn't like you weren't immersed in it. So and now it's so um, it's so DIY. It's so like everyone yeah. can do it just so simply with OnlyFans or whatever. But but to actually make it back then, pre-internet, pre, um, you know, pre-digital. Uh, you just kind of had to guess like how how it was made and do it do your own version of it uh, on film. I, I was working on Super 8, so and just naive about how it's done in terms of just the very basic mechanics of it, like you know preparing yourself and douching and and um, you know getting in the how to create the the atmosphere uh, an atmosphere that's conducive to people having sex. And I mean my first real porn was no skin off my ass and it was just my boyfriend who I made dress up as a skinhead and shave his head and and we it was uh we were too even too shy to have anyone behind the camera while we were having sex so we'd put it on running lock uh, and just the camera would be running by itself on a tripod and we'd be just performing in front of the camera just the two of you yeah and then I would keep I would keep running behind the camera 
interrupting the sex and running behind the camera <laughs> and changing the and zooming in or whatever and running back, which I incorporated then in the film. I kept those little bits in of me running back and forth behind the camera. So it, it was it was very self-conscious even in the film. Like I had these kind of distancing techniques, I guess, to even protect myself of, you know, showing myself having explicit sex. So I kind of pointed out the awkwardness of sex and, and of, of trying to capture it on film. And, and, um, and it wasn't, you know, it was very simple, like just mutual masturbation and blowjobs, you know. So um, there was an awkwardness to it in the naivete. And then there was another naivete, which was what the response would be. So when that film kind of went on the festival circuit, um, the gay and lesbian, the LGBTQ festival circuit was exploding at the time, and mm. so every every little city had uh, you know its own festival, and um, especially in like with the Western world, and um, it it sort of became a a big hit on that circuit, but then it sort of bled over into the international film festival circuit. So I, you know I had people watching me have sex. Uh, on the big screen internationally, which I wasn't quite prepared for, uh, not, or neither was my boyfriend. And so, it, and then you realize that, you know, when you make that kind of commitment, and it's not the same now at all. I, I, it, I'm, I think it's hard for people to even understand what it was like, because now, like I said, with OnlyFans and yeah. people sending cock pics to each other or, or whatever pics, um, vagina pics, I don't know. Uh, They're pussy pics, Bruce Month. <laughs> pussy pics. I mean, um, uh, it just seems like so casual now and so um, natural in a way. Yeah. And um, back then it was more like you really crossed, I called it the cornhole line. Like yeah. you, you crossed the cornhole line where if you've actually been penetrated on screen, people look at you a bit askance. I mean, they did back then. I mean, yeah, even even OnlyFans is more, I guess, based on, I don't know, I've never even re really looked at anyone's OnlyFans. What do they do on there? They just jerk off. You, you, yeah, you can create something as artful as you want, you know, yeah. and incorporate different angles and set it to music and edit it like a professional film, or you can just let your cell phone record you jerking off yeah. on the lower third of the frame, you know, like, it's, and it's whatever you of, want to do with it. But there's a lot of actual fucking on it as well yeah 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 a yeah. lot actually a, lot. a big yeah. part of it it's kind of what it's known for yeah okay yeah i mean i thought it was more like jerking off and and kind of like uh uh you know i thought maybe more erotic than pornographic but i guess it's forum porn well it's there's there's you know it's a, it's a gradient scale there yeah. are there's a big part of it that you the porn industry now is in the hands of the performers in a sense that I could shoot something with someone and sell it direct to my fan base for a price and have it owned and released exclusively by me because of a platform like OnlyFans. Like that's yeah. what's so different about the world. I think studios should be freaking out because of this. Well, it's gig economy. I mean, and it it, it really uh, cuts out the the middleman, you know, or mm -hmm. middlewoman. Yeah. So. Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah, no, I've always been for the democratization of porn. And it, it also opens up, obviously, porn to different bodies, different, uh, yeah. you know, ages and all that stuff. 
it's 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 democratic in that way too. But back in the day when I was doing it, it was really unheard of. So, um, so, and in fact, like my producer and I didn't really consider ourselves pornographers at first, but then everyone else seemed to, you know, um, deem us pornographers. So, yeah. and sometimes in in a kind of scathing way. And so it really um, it really spurred on my producer to to start the very first uh, porn company ever in Berlin, Casper Film. Wow. Uh, Jürgen Berning, yeah. And yeah. and then and then I was uh, uh, my first uh, several of my features, three of my features were done for his company, and I made softcore versions that were released on the festival circuit and for theatrical release, and hardcore versions that were that were um, longer with uh, all the sex scenes, uh, right. extended sex scenes, and marketed as porn under a different title. So that was, that was like kind of, um, uh, we sort of, that was sort of unheard of at the time. Is, is, there, is there a hardcore version of Hustler White? No, unfortunately. Yeah. I was going to ask, um, how would you get yeah. Tony? How did how, did you get Tony Ward to do more that I didn't get to see? <laughs> yeah. No, it, it was shot in 16 millimeter and yeah. it's so low budget that we originally intended it to be that same model, but um, it, we just barely had enough footage, mm -hmm. like, uh, uh, enough uh, film to, and, and the, 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 the editing ratio of the film was practically one to one. We used oh. almost every inch of, of footage that we shot, you know. Wow. So, uh, you know, that film was made for 50,000 US dollars <laughs> in 1995. And that was including post. Oh my God, you cannot, no one could even dream of doing that today. No. That was like That's... a, that was like a small budget uh, music video. Yes, know? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You 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 play between these realms of uh, the North American market who loves you. You're obviously based here in Toronto, but you're also yeah. huge in Europe. I mean, obviously, I can imagine what the difference is in reaction in both markets. But are there any details that you know make you laugh a little bit? Like, have you heard any reactions in the room if you screen something in Berlin versus here in Canada? Um, well, I also have you know. Quite a cult following in South America and um, and elsewhere. Like my films, uh, I, I one of my best friends is Russian, and he he says that you know my films have always been huge uh, a bootleg in uh, in Russia. Oh man! Oh so, man! And well, I mean, uh, the only time I've been to Russia was when I made probably my craziest film, which is L.A. Zombie, and. Um, you know, which is about a alien zombie who comes, who finds dead bodies all over LA and fucks them back to life. It's amazing, but, by the way. Yeah, with Francois Sagat. And um, so I don't know whether it, it was just a weird timing. I don't know if I was just being super naive or it was also a little kind of lull. But I took and showed LA Zombie in Kiev and Moscow uh, at, 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 not a, and at, at non-gay film festivals, mm -hmm. not, they didn't have gay festivals, and um, so basically, I, this was the software version, but it was still like crazy. It was like this guy with a big fake alien dick, you know, <laughs> with a Scorpio stinger on the end of it that squirts like uh, 
black squid ink, you know. Um, and in the opening scene, he there's a car accident and there's a man die who dies on the road with his chest split open and he starts fucking his uh, rubbing his alien dick against his heart and uh, fucking it and it starts pumping again. You know, I mean, it's it's way out there. It's a Gorn. And um, this was like... Did you just call it Gorn? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that, that's an actual genre, yeah, Gorn. Yeah. And um, this was just before, you know, Putin passed that law that you can't promote homosexuality and there was a new wave of, of um, homophobia in, in Russia. So I did this masterclass and I showed all clips from all of my movies, including like hardcore gay porn scenes and everything. And I, you know, I knew the atmosphere was a bit strange, but I mean, I literally could have been, you know, I could have been um, assassinated. Well, assassinated or, or I could have been conveniently uh, mis displaced, misplaced or, you know, whatever. Right. They would be, they'd be slick about it. Yeah. Yeah. I could be on a, on a gulag somewhere. So, <laughs> um, so that was interesting. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes you, when I, my favorite festivals to go to are these Latin American uh, festivals where it, they're usually in um, countries where it, they're still in a kind of gay liberation moment where they're, they're emerging and still just very activist and, and, you know, militant and, and, trying to get their basic rights and you know so in the past couple of years I was in um, in Bogota and in um, uh, Lima Peru mm -hmm. and Santiago Chile to these kinds of festivals and and there it's a whole different experience because they're very um, they're so they're so um, political and they're so excited and it's very daring of them to be showing you know these my sex explicit kind of films and sometimes they even get financing, you know, from, from you know, arts, governmental yeah. arts uh, bodies and stuff, which is quite, uh, and, and also even in, uh, I, I did one last year in, uh, in uh, Serbia, in, uh, in uh, capital of Serbia. Uh, but, uh, yeah. It's whatever. not coming to me either. Yeah. It's, it's not. Unfortunately. Um, Sorry, Serbia. Belgrade, Belgrade, Belgrade. <laughs> Belgrade. Oh my God. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, uh, yeah, so the, it, it's cool. So they are, they are, uh, viewed differently. Where do you show them? I've, mm. I have quite a, a little following in, in the Balkans as well. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, my new movie, Center Seas, just played at the Slovenia. Uh, gay and Lesbian Film Festival, which remarkably is one of the oldest uh, LGBTQ festivals in Europe. No way. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. It's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And uh, then in, po you know, uh, you know, we're all lamenting how regressive the world is now. And, mm -hmm. you know, but, but it's weirdly schizophrenic. Like it's like we were talking about how porn is ubiquitous and it's everywhere and, and it's, it seems normalized. But then there's then a whole like other kind of extreme where people are getting very moralistic about sex and mm -hmm. and uh, it seems to be regressing and there's even within the gay movement there's a kind of gay sexual conservatism in certain circles and and uh but in Poland you know in the late 90s I showed uh I had when I went to show my films with Jurgen in Poland 
we had to show them and meet in attics and basements. It was still so underground. Re this is a recent thing? In the late 90s, late 90s, yeah. Oh, God. And then 10 years later, World Pride was held in Warsaw. Wow. So within 10 years, it had gone from illegal and you could, don't, don't even talk about it because you might get arrested yeah. to like World Pride. And then now, 10 years later, it's almost back to where it was before. Yeah. My friend, my Polish friends are saying, you know, that it's regressed so bad that homophobia is horrible. There, people are afraid to even like be publicly show, uh, you know. And, and what 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 uh, carried this through? Like what what chauffeured this into today? How did it's, we regress? It, it's just the the general regression of you know the 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 wave of um, of to the swing to the to the right, you know, to yeah. the, the extreme right. It, you know, it's a very complicated, you know, uh, set of circumstances in terms of like um, instability, uh, you know, um, and the rise of, of of the right as a reaction against, uh, you know, immigration and and mm -hmm. uh, and um, uh, 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 financial instability and and people war being and you know fear mongering twats like yeah Trump. no shit yeah. yeah 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 bruce i have some fun ones for us you ready yeah uh what would be your ultimate favorite mainstream sex scene mainstream meaning meaning it would have hit major box offices around the world but a porn no no mainstream hollywood film let's make it as uh, uh, relatable to the listeners that may not know anything about, you know, classic cinema, foreign films throughout the ages. What comes to mind? Like, uh, um, well, <laughs> this is how I love that your mind is like, I need the specifics here because clearly you're so well versed in sex and the way it's presented in sex scenes. Like I, I remember loving the sex scene in the remake of Postman Always Rings Twice on the kitchen oh, table. Yeah. You know, like I, I love that. Also yeah. Bound well, has some great sex scenes. Well, the seventies were, you know, people also forget we were talking about the sexual revolution actually mm -hmm. happened in, 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 the West, like in the States, especially uh, and Canada, like, and there was all these famous films where people had unsimulated or reputedly had unsimulated yeah. sex, like in The fa the Sailor Who Fell From Grace with the Sea with Chris Christopherson and Sarah Miles and and Don't Look Now with Julie Christie and Donald oh, Sutherland, yes. where they, um, it's rumored that they actually had sex, but they kind of cut around it. So you penetration. And, and um, and there were I mean sweet movie like Deuce of Makaveev and and um, there was there was quite a number of films that that really uh, pushed it like uh, you know Bertolucci's Luna which is like an incest movie yes so, I yeah. and I watched that one because of you yeah yeah, yeah. that's one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, <sighs> European films um, well I don't know like something along those lines where. I mean, I was kind of getting that at it a little bit with um, Senarcis. It's still a relatively low budget movie, but I mean, um, it, you know, it's not specifically meant for a queer uh, audience necessarily. I mean, um, because the two of the characters uh, almost in a way can 
I wouldn't say convert, but they, they start out as being more in homosexual relationships and then switch to uh, heterosexual relationships. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, it's all mixed together. So it's very polyamorous. Yeah. You know. But, um, you know, it's a melodrama. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of a loose remake of The Fox, which is this 1967 Mark Rydell movie with Sandy Dennis and Claire Delay about two lesbians living in the woods. And then a male kind of hunter comes in and, and kind of stirs things up and steals one of them away from the other. And there's wow. tragic consequences. It's based on a D.H. Lawrence story. And so um, I was kind of, you know, I always reference mainstream films like that. Like uh, maybe a, a remake of like, well, I was going to say a remake of Sunset Boulevard, but I already did that with Hustler. I Ryan. know. I Well, Sunset Boulevard is my favorite film of all time. So the minute I saw that in the tagline of Hustler White, I turned off all my electronics and stopped listening to the world so I could give that my full attention. And it was marvelous. Mm -hmm. Truly. Truly. So I already have that kind of mainstream sensibility, but, but, uh, but I apply it more to like queer and underground uh, aesthetics and... Um, so I don't know. I mean, um, I would do something like a remake of, I could do a re remake of, um, of what, um, you know, and queering texts as well or something that I usually do. Um, I don't know. I, I, I can never answer questions like that. I, I, <laughs> That's I would, okay. Some people it comes stop, to them, stop. some it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do you want to cast some fantasies here with me quickly? We're gonna play casting directors, and then oh, I'm, I'm really bad at for the, No, you're not. You know your actors and stars of the silver screen more than anyone, Bruce. Uh, no, so let's say. Okay, so this is your fantasy here. Um, you're the star of this. Let's say the scene is that you're at the Bovine Sex Club in Toronto, which is one of our favorite bars, and you stumble into a bathroom stall with... Um, um, hmm. You see, I always draw a blank. I, 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 and you know what? I'm, I'm not that into the, the new crop of like Hollywood stars so much. I, I get mean, you. I, I would rather stumble in with like, Pick you know, anyone, living or Dirk dead. Bog Dirk Bogard or Lawrence Harvey or, you know. They're my, those, Dirk. those are the kind of actors. Uh, we're giving, we're going to give you Dirk on that one. Uh, or Lawrence, one, Lawrence Harvey. Is Lawrence Harvey. Yeah. You can have, why not Brad Davis? Oh, well, there you go. I was just <laughs> posting on his birthday the other day how, um, you know, Midnight Express and Corral were my, my main fodder for teenage masturbation. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and Carell, I just watched last week again because of you. Um, outstanding. So sexy. Deeply sexy. Inside of me sexy. Um, you're a massage therapist at an underground spa in the Lower East Side and you're giving a foot massage too. The, f um, <laughs> the foot. Um, um, okay. How about... Um, Oh, like um, Tom Hardy? <laughs> you can have him. <laughs> Tom Hardy, I love it. He has some big old feet. Yeah, he's got some big old feet, I'm sure. Big manly meat feet. Uh, one more for you here. You're on a fully packed bus tour driving from L.A. to Las Vegas. The air conditioning cut out miles ago. Who are you sitting next to? 
Um, and it could be from any era. Anything. Oh, okay. Uh, well, Elizabeth Taylor, of course. Oh, do you think she'd smell good sweaty? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. No, you know, she's one of those women that even though, even though I'm a six, I'm a seven on the Kinsey scale, um, she, you know, she still somehow gives me, if not a literal hard on, just like a, a kind of, um, a kind of uh, spiritual hard on. Yeah, know? I can yeah. imagine the sweat and the jewelry just sparkling beautifully. Yeah. Well done. Well, well done. She's, so, she's, she's also like such an earth mother. She's so voluptuous. And, you know, my favorite movie of hers is the, driver, the Driver's Seat. The Driver's Seat. Yeah. The dri the, I haven't seen that one. Oh, my God. Okay, that's what you're going to watch next. The Driver's that's, Seat. Okay, that's what I'm going to do tonight then. Oh. Bruce, thank you so much for taking some time and uh, chatting with me and chatting with all these viewers out here who are i'm sure in love with you where can people find out more about you and get all the updates uh you know i have new product i have my new movie san narcisse which is on the festival circuit now and it'll be but you know it was partly financed by the cbc so in mm -hmm. canada it'll be on uh cbc next year and um and it'll be on uh, streaming platforms soon um, I have a new book called The Death Book, Death Book, from Barron Books, which uh, if you go to barronbooks.com, uh, you can order it. Uh, it's kind of based on some of my most extreme, um, both uh, sexually and sexually violent kind of imagery. It's, mm -hmm. quite, it's not for for beginners. It's it's <laughs> Bruce 2.0, um, and. Um, and, you know, I have another book coming out next year, which is more like a retrospective photo book called Fixations. Uh, yeah, so those are, and otherwise I'm just working on new, um, new script and hopefully oh. shoot one in Mexico next year. And I'll give you one parting tidbit. <gasps> My upcoming film, May, May, uh, involved me, my return to the, to the big screen. Shut up. <laughs> you just confirmed it. You just confirmed it. Don't even. It's going to happen. <laughs> Bruce, amazing. Thank you once again. And uh, hopefully we'll be back at the Bovine dancing at one of your parties very soon, okay? For sure. Those are always a blast. Oh, they're so wild. Thanks so much once again. Take care of yourself, Bruce, okay? Bye. 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 Bye.